Hello, everybody. Welcome in here to another episode of Jake's Takes on Southeastern 14. We'll get the star of the show, Jake Crane from Crane & Company on Daily Wire. He'll be in in here with me in just a second but i do got to mention hey we're growing super fast here at southeastern 14 looking for people to partner with if you want to partner with us be an mvp of southeastern 14 hit up caroline.smith it is in the banner below and then if you want a snack that is great for game day that is going to get you filled up protein venison uh turkey Beef, got all different kind of flavors. The beef jalapeno is my favorite one. Then check out Chomps. It's in the description below. But without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on my guy, Jake Crane from Crane & Company. Jake, how you doing this evening? Doing great, man. Ready for another great weekend of uh, college football. And, uh, man, some matchups, some really sneaky good ones, too, this weekend. So I'm excited, man. Ready to get it going. Everybody was pumped about the, the you know the seven ranked on ranked matchups last week, but I think we got a whole lot of good ones this week and and some games even though that they, they aren't ranked on ranked like even a Florida Kentucky that that we you know we might not touch as heavy on. Hey, that's a that's a pretty dang good matchup on a SEC Saturday to start off at noon. Oh no, without a doubt. I mean that, that can end up being one of the best games of the weekend when you look at it. Uh it's kind of kind of some some fascinating things in play there. You look Kentucky, one of the most from an explosive play standpoint, that they're way up there. That doesn't mean the offense is great. It means they when they score, they typically hit explosive plays. And then Florida giving up some of the most explosive plays in the country. Uh, interested to see how Kentucky's de- uh, offensive line holds up against Florida's defensive line. Leary hasn't been great against pressure. A lot of guys aren't. Uh, but if he's able to hang in there, I think Ray Davis in the run game and Kentucky's defense can stifle that Florida run game enough uh, where I, I do, I'm do. i leaning Kentucky right now, but that one's about as close to a pick as you can get. So we got a lot of matchups out there that we're going to get to, and we'll get all your thoughts on all of them just here in just a minute. But I want to start out for your first take of the show here. Spencer Rattler, okay, this this game against Tennessee. Tennessee 12-point favorite, 62-and-a-half over under. Last time I checked here was just a couple hours ago. So they're heading up to Rocky Top. What is a revenge game for Tennessee after the garbacle in Columbia last year? My question for you is we've seen all this growth out of Spencer Rattler. We've seen him, you know, mature and all this kind of stuff. And he had some big home victories. But what would it mean? I mean, would this just be the final cement in his legacy? And and does he need does he need this a big road win to kind of put a, another notch on his belt before he heads off to the NFL? Well, obviously it'd be huge. You know, them beating Clemson and Clemson at the end of the year last year was humongous. But man, I actually yeah. let off uh, our Thursday show on Crane and Company talking about Spencer Rattler is not going to win the Heisman. South Carolina is not going to win the East, but I don't know if there is a more valuable player to his team than Spencer Rattler is to South Carolina. They have a deficient offensive line. They don't have a great run game because of set offensive line. Marshawn Lloyd left for USC in the transfer portal. The joiner kid, I think, has a chance to be a good back. There's just not a lot of room to run. Juice Wells has been hurt, but whether it's Trey Knox, and we all know how good Leggett is, Spencer Rattler has found a way to not make excuses but make big plays. And, you know, the knock on him was never talent or ability. We've known he's had talent and ability even when Caleb Williams beat him out at Oklahoma. It's how he handles adversity. And, and when I watch him play, when I watch him interact with his guys on the sidelines, even when it's not going good, you can tell he's matured. So I've become a Spencer Rattler fan. You know, I was a guy that, that wasn't his biggest fan coming out of high school and kind of the way he carried himself. But I think that's a testament to not only Spencer, not only his family, but the culture that Shane Beamer's built at South Carolina. And if they go get this one, 
look, I mean, you, you talk about punching above your weight. Uh, my biggest question isn't even the South Carolina offense versus the, the Tennessee defense. It's can Tennessee run the ball against yeah. South Carolina's defense because they weren't able to do it against Florida. Now, it's a little bit of a, a different different flavor on that defense for South Carolina than you got in Florida. It's not at the swamp. But if they, if they, if they can't do that, if Tennessee can't do that, Joe Milton's got somewhat of a bum knee. Uh, it could get really interesting there up in up in Knoxville. But you brought up the re- the revenge game factor. I know Josh Heupel kind of played it off. They didn't forget. I can promise you, those guys in that locker room didn't forget. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at. Too. I know, obviously, the Clemson game is a is a was a huge road win. But the reason I'm kind of pointing at this one is, you know, a legacy builder for Rattler, yeah. in my opinion, is because. Okay, they weren't really expected to do that against Clemson. It was kind of okay. They stayed hot after the Tennessee game, but this one, Tennessee is had this one circled, like you just mentioned. They haven't forgotten that kneeling crowd is going to be in on him. And Spencer Rattler has been arguably the best quarterback in the entire league. So I think the expectations for his level of play have have risen, and now uh, he's kind of got to shoulder that burden. Dude. So do you think he'll he'll rise to to that challenge and just continue to play at the at the level that he's been playing? Yeah, you know, Spencer, honestly, is the last one I'm worried about when it comes to South Carolina. We saw what he did at Georgia, especially in the first half. I was shocked that South Carolina kind of went away uh, from that quick passing game that they supplemented lack of a run game with. They kind of kept that offense moving, kept him on schedule in the second half against Georgia. But I think it's the periphery pieces around him. We know Tennessee is going to focus on Leggett. Is there any way that offensive line can, number one, protect him because he's going to throw a lot of passes, but number two, give him some semblance of a run game where he can have a little bit of balance? You know, that, that's been one thing that uh, he's had to kind of fight against that, fight against the water, swimming upstream the whole year. If they can give him just a little bit of room, I think Spencer can do some interesting things. And then again, defensively. Can you stop that Tennessee run game? Because the common misconception about Josh Heupel and Jeff Levy and Lane Kiffin and Lincoln Riley is that they want to go throw it 3,000 times a game. No, this is a run-to-pass offense. Yeah, it's Art Bryles spacing, uh, moving guys around, changing the divider for the secondary. Uh, But Spencer Rattler, honestly, Blaine, is the last guy I'm worried about showing up to play well this weekend. But he needs help to sit in golf, you know, to sit in in tennis. You need help around you. Yeah, and that help could come. Uh, from is this the time Shane Beamer continues to stay in press conferences week after week. He can, continues to say when people ask him, they ask him, where's Nick Harbor? Where's Nick Harbor? Where's Nick? And he can, he says, hey, we got to find a way to get him touches. We got to find a way to get him involved. Well, one way to get him involved is just when you got a track star, is put him out there and just tell him, hey, go deep, and we're going we're gonna to run it, uh, you know, throw it your way. Do you think that happens for South Carolina this week? Yeah, I, I think they're going to try and find ways, especially with Juice Wells being out. But, but I, I will say, you know, I, I keep asking, when is that big special teams play? When's that big special teams game coming? We really haven't seen it yet. There's a couple things we haven't seen yet. We haven't seen Nicholas Harper go, uh, Har- uh, Harbor go out there. And look, even if you're just using him as a decoy running deep, you can open up space for other guys. It's just as valuable. Uh, but we haven't seen the big special teams play. I haven't seen Harold Perkins from LSU freak out yet. He may do that this weekend. I know we're going to get into that game. But South Carolina is going to need something like that. They're going to need a break to go that way. Uh, they're going to need something to happen kind of kind of in the realm of not out of the norm for South Carolina, whether it's Joe Milton having a bad game, whether it's Joe Milton not being able to run that well because he's got somewhat of a bum knee. Uh, they need some help, I think, to have a chance to not compete in this game, but have a chance to win it because they're going there to win it. They're not going there to just show up and have fun. 
Oh, no doubt. No doubt. That, that would be, that would be huge and, and fit right in that kind of build that, that Shane Beamer has going. Cause he's really, really trying to re- turn this roster over. I know you, you've said in your show, there's really, Hey, there's really no excuse now in terms of roster turnover. You've seen what Dion has done. You can go out and get guys and they didn't necessarily get some of the pieces that they need, but man, just even playing a tight game, right here and going down to the wire fourth quarter with Tennessee. I know there's no moral victories, but I think that would just continue to bolster what Shane Beamer is selling. Some of these high-profile recruits are coming in Hey, say, we're just a couple pieces away from being where we need to be. Yeah, and look, the biggest thing you look at, I know I keep harping on it, is the offensive line, right? That That's that's some of the pieces that it felt like they didn't go out and, and get guys that were good enough to be able to help them win these games, uh, to be able to help them, you know, get that running game, to get that push. Defensively, there's not really that edge rusher you look at and that Sacramento normally has. You're like, all right. Oh, they're coming. This, <laughs> they are they, coming. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. That, and, and again, it's, it's, it's about maintaining, too. It's not just about signing the next group. It's about keeping that group you have with you. So, yeah, it just adds credence to what Shane's building, and it takes longer to develop those guys up front. No doubt. No doubt. Second take here for Jake. We're moving on to the LSU and Ole Miss game. You know, our, our friend uh, Josh Pate likes to call these games when people are coming off of losses wounded animal mode. I'm going to call it is L- is Ole Miss in danger mode because this happened to him a couple years ago when they went to Tuscaloosa, mm-hmm. hyped it up. Where, you know, everybody thought it was Get the year they could take it down. Yeah, and, and then they felt they fell flat. But then they went on a run after that. So do you feel that Ole Miss is a dangerous team now that that drama, that hype is out of the way? They're getting some pieces back and then go play football. Well, you know, whenever you're playing against a, a, a Lane Kiffin coach team, you're you're always worried about them having that game where they pop. Now, look, nobody uh, typically plays great the week after they play Alabama or a team that plays that physical. Uh, you look at, at Quinshaw and Judkins, is he a little more healthy than he was last week? You know, if Ole Miss, and, and what surprised me the most about their game plan going into Alabama was it seemed like they attacked the intermediate passing game uh, more than they did the deep third and, and use the run game. And, and Alabama's one of the best teams in the country at defending the intermediate pass game. And like I said earlier, Ole Miss is a run-to-pass team. Your best weapon is Quinshawn Judkins. So so that surprised me the way they went about it. Now, look, LSU defensively, I'm still waiting for Held Perkins to have that game where he freaks out. This could be that game. But now that we've seen LSU secondary kind of get confused multiple times, especially when the play gets extended, you know, Ole Miss and Jackson Dart are good at keeping that play going turning it into a scramble drill. And if LSU doesn't communicate or there's paralysis by analysis in the back end, Ole Miss can run the checkup. Now, the other thing is LSU, I think, can run the checkup too against this Ole Miss defense. Uh, even though Ole Miss didn't play horrible last year, uh, or excuse me, last week, uh, you know, in the run game against Alabama, Jaden Daniels is an absolute problem right now. He is. He is. He, I mean, what Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas are able to do, I mean, just going out and, you know, catching it on top of people's heads out there against against Mississippi State and Arkansas Balling. the last couple of weeks. I mean, it's it's been crazy. Um, but I guess one thing I would ask you about is, you know, you you were you said you were interested or taken aback by the strategy with Ole Miss. Do you think their their scheme, their operation, their tempo was hampered by Zachary Franklin, Trey Harris, and Caden Prescorn all coming back directly off of surgery for that first game against Alabama. And is it possible that, hey, they got a little bit of that rust off and now they've they've worked themselves into maybe they'll be in a little bit better shape uh, in, the, in the LSU game? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a possibility. The way I look at it is you got your weapons back. It should have spread Alabama more thin, made him more worried about having to cover multiple guys, which should have helped you in the run game. I was just surprised, even with Jackson Dart as a runner at quarterback, that they didn't try to at least pound it at Alabama a little bit more to soften up and then take that shot because that's what Lane does. You know, he hits you, he hits you, and then he hits you deep. He's trying to get those safeties manipulated, get them cheating down, and then he runs those rub routes, those different combinations that cause problems in the back end. And we've seen Alabama, especially at the safety position, have problems communicating those different combinations. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I, I just I just wonder if it's a healthy Trey Harris. You know, I wondered if they – because to me, I don't know if you saw the same thing. They're down 14 points, and I don't, I didn't see that sense of urgency, that hurry up I, I'm tempo with in the second I'm half. With you. There. Well, I, I think wondered. a little bit of it was the defense had been on the field the whole game. You know, yeah. they, they weren't really extending a lot of drives. You had a couple, especially on the one they scored the touchdown on, but it seemed like Ole Miss's defense was on the field, especially in the first half, the whole half. So I, I that's the thing about tempo. It's it looks great. Yeah, even when you're scoring. If you're scoring at the at the pace you want to, the defense is still out in the field a long time. Uh, and we know Alabama, they can lean on you about as good as anybody because while they haven't been operating at normal Alabama speed, they still have some big guys that can move you. And gravity is gravity. Physics is physics. So I think there's some calculus in that. But when you're behind, especially in the second half, sometimes you got to hit the press the gas pedal down and scream America. Absolutely, absolutely. You just got to go for it. And and hey, nothing's going to happen. As you mentioned with Tennessee against South Carolina, nothing's going to happen for this Ole Miss offense unless they find a way. And that front seven against LSU is as salty as they come. It's going to be super hard. But unless they find a way to create some kind of running room and get some kind of running game going, it doesn't matter what the weapons can do to that secondary because I think they're going to be able to – they're just going to be able to dictate what Ole Miss has to do and put them in obvious passing downs and then rush the passer with Harold Perkins like you said. Yeah, well, look, balance keeps you on the beam, and I think sometimes people confuse balance with, oh, it's run to pass. Well, to me, balance is an offense that, when you, especially when you're running that RPO style where you have different options within the play mid-play, making the right decision. Well, if you're able to do both things well at some point, they're either going to have to play you even where you get the matchups you want, or they're going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul. You go heavy in the box against the run game, I'm going to pull your pants down in the pass game and vice versa. So uh, it's all together. Um, again, that's just that's why... I was so surprised, um, you know, they didn't make more of an effort to at least give the threat of wanting to run the ball more to be able to make Alabama have to make that decision. Yeah, and I think now with your back against the wall, I know Jackson Dart is your quarterback and you have to take care of him. You don't want him taking so many hits or whatever like that, but you do have a guy that played quarterback for four years uh, at Oklahoma State behind him. I mean, I think you can afford to – Run the quarterback and try to try to make that happen a little bit if you need some help in the running game. Well, if you got depth, why not use it? I mean, Jackson Dart was leading the SEC in rushing as a quarterback coming into the game, and you do have that luxury. And even behind Spencer Sanders, I know that Walker Howard doesn't have a ton of experience, but I believe that kid has a chance to be special too. So, look, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you got to dance with the one that brought you. You got to be yourself. You got to do the things that make you special. And when that quarterback can run, you can truly get a hat on a hat. That's how you make the math even with that running back blocking and things like that. So, yeah, just surprised, man. I I was surprised at the game plan, uh, and they kind of got stalled out and then had to play catch-up, uh, which, believe it or not, that is not what Lane Kiffin wants to do. Oh, yeah. And, hey, but 
for for Ole Miss. This one is at home at Vault yep. Hemingway, and guess what? It's kind of at that perfect five thirty look or five o'clock local time there, Central Time. They've been in the Grove, but they hadn't been in in the Grove. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, so maybe maybe they're not too sauced to uh, to cheer in there. It might be loud for them at Ole Miss. Oh, no, look, it's a lot different when you're playing at home. I mean, you get to sleep in your bed. You get to go through the routine that you're used to. So, yeah, look, I, I expect Ole Miss to come out fired up. Uh, I don't think they're going to be totally drained from last week, and they need this one. Look, if you're going to stay in the race for the SEC West, you know, you, you need to at least split Alabama and LSU to give yourself a chance down the road. No problem. And I'll, real quick, we'll go back to the what's your lean on the South Carolina-Tennessee. Who are you picking on that one? Man, I just like Tennessee because, again, I think Spencer's going to keep South Carolina in the game, uh, but I just think Tennessee overall up front is better. I don't think they're going to be taken advantage of in the run game on defense in the front seven like Florida did. Uh, that really helped Graham Mertz settle in. Uh, I just think overall they're the better team. And, and again, I, I think South Carolina wouldn't be surprised if you get something wonky that happens early. Uh, you know, Spencer makes a big play down the field or extends a play, shakes a tackle, and finds somebody down the field. I think Trey Knox may have a sneaky good game, the tight end who actually transferred from Arkansas to South Carolina. But I like Tennessee. Betting-wise, though, I'm not touching that line. And who do you like in the uh, prediction-wise and then betting-wise in LSU and Ole Miss? I like LSU to win the game. I like LSU to cover the minus two and a half. I just think Jaden Daniels, I mean, he's he's so special. Uh, you know, his, his running ability is, is such a problem. Uh, and then you look at Neighbors and Thomas and what they're doing, man. It's absolutely incredible. And they got Logan Diggs now running the ball, too. We didn't talk about him, but I think that adds a yeah. big element that they needed in that LSU offense. Well, everything's been overshadowed by, by the wide receiver play and then obviously Jaden Daniels. So uh, the, the running game's been good enough. I still think they want more out of it. And if that last element comes in, I mean, this LSU offense is going to just continue to cook and cook and cook. Speaking of somebody that's looking to start cooking – uh, the dogs, uh, Georgia heading to Auburn minus 14 and a half this is a three thirty CBS. Enjoy it. Cause it's one of the last few that you're going to get on that, that sec on CBS three thirty yeah. that this year ending up that, um, first away game for Carson Beck. But I just got to ask you, Jake, is this, is this the game with kind of some of the way things are trending with injuries for, for Auburn and then, you know, Georgia getting healthier. Is this where Georgia starts to, starts to really, really be Georgia this year? Well, you know, they kind of took the training wheels off Carson Beck, it seemed like, in the second half of the South Carolina game. And and these it, new offensive coordinator, I know Mike Bubba's been there before, but th- this is different players. They're still feeling each other out, kind of finding out what they do best. My biggest question is, this is just like, you know, it's, it's Michigan's first road game this weekend. Uh, it's Georgia's first road game this weekend. You're going to a really hostile environment, obviously, uh, in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And we know the pet cemetery that that's built over, Indian burial ground, whatever. Will they play it safe? early to kind of protect him, knowing that they have better personnel than Auburn does up front. I think that's why you saw that spread a little bit lower than what people thought it would be. A lot of people thought it would be 17 and a half all the way up to maybe 20 and a half, 19 and a half, somewhere around there. If they protect him, I think Auburn can hang in. But man, I mean, Auburn struggles at the quarterback right now are real. I mean, that's a real life problem. Peyton Thorne uh, absolutely was terrified by the rush last week. If he's not going to hang in there and deliver the pill, you got to go with Robbie Ashford and just hope. Yeah, so my question is, from a you former college coach yourself, you know, if if you were making this decision right now, it, if you, even if you want to play Robbie, is it something where you feel like it's only fair to him to kind of wait to the bye week, give him all the reps at the one, all that kind of stuff, and not have him go in, you know, against the back to back national champions? Is that kind of a setting him up for failure if you throw him in here this this first game, or or do you just say, hey, we just got to go with it and do what we can? 
Well, you know, he got a ton of experience last year. I mean, I think that's something you lean on. He played against Georgia last year. He's yeah. not brand new. I mean, but you've you've got to put your team in the best position to win. And if Peyton Thorne goes out there and he looks like he's looking at, at the guy from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre every time anything goes wrong up front, then you're going to have to to put Robbie Ashford in. Now, that limits you. Obviously, in the passing game, we know the running element it gives you. Here's the problem. You've got to have an advantage somehow. So with Robbie Ashford in there, uh, yeah, he can run it. Do you go really fast and try and go up tempo and, and try and get guys more open to make the throws easier by going faster? Well, if you do that, then you risk going three and out a lot and the defense having to be on the field a whole heck of a lot more against a Georgia team that can really lean on you. Lad McConkey's coming back. So it puts you in a tough spot in a perfect world. Last week was just an anomaly for Peyton Thorne. Uh, he just didn't handle the, the 12th man well. And now you're back at home. He's kind of back to himself a little bit, even though he hadn't been the greatest quarterback of all time this year. Nobody really expected that. Uh, but, but Hugh Freeze is in a tough spot. Uh, I don't think it's as much of the play calling uh, as what people are saying. I think a lot of it was Peyton Thorne's not even getting to his second read, not even throwing the check down against obvious pressures. Uh, so you got to make a decision quick because this is the Auburn Georgia game, man. Even though it's year one, we know expectations are always high uh, in the three three four. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. A little bit lopsided lately, although it has been a crazy environment, a crazy rivalry throughout the history of it. Georgia's won the last six matchups by average score of 30 to 10 and they are going to have to have special quarterback play and and be able to you know consistently move the football if they're going to georgia on the on the injury front like you said is getting lad mcconkey back on i don't know how extensively or how much he'll be able to go but then on the defensive side that pass rush is going to be helped out michael williams will be back javon bullard's going to probably be back in the secondary so a lot of dogs coming back but the big thing, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you from a schematic standpoint, and one thing I think Auburn could take advantage of is we know that Rivaldo Fairweather, Luke Deal are very capable at tight end. The tight ends, whether it's been Trey Knox on some crossing routes, uh, South Carolina ran some crossing routes, and the whether Georgia was doing, de, you know, zone blitzes, that kind of stuff, they had guys get lost on those crossing routes. And then against UAB, the sniffer back, the H, H back that Hugh Freeze has used in the, employed in the past – they lost him out of the backfield in some man coverage. So Georgia's linebackers struggling with eye discipline. Do you think Hugh Freeze, obviously, he'll see that in film. Do you think that's something they're capable of taking advantage of? It is, but you know, you wish you'd, they'd make those mistakes against you because they made them the week, you know, the weeks before. And Georgia does a really good job of fixing their problems, especially with Kirby Smart and Schumann and those guys. But look, Hugh Freeze can get in his bag. We know that. We've seen it uh, in real life. And and Phil Montgomery brings a ton of experience as well. Uh, so yes, in some instances. But typically great teams and great defenses, especially with the Cats Georgia has running around that are getting healthier now, they don't make that same mistake twice. Uh, but I would not be shocked at all if you saw a bunch of weird formations, maybe some polecat where the tackles are extended out on the outside, uh, getting some crazy motions, some tight end delays, some throwbacks and things like that uh, to try and at least keep Georgia on their toes, which will soften them up for your base stuff, your bread and butter. Because, I mean, look, Auburn's run the ball, you know, pretty well it's yeah. it's it hadn't been a problem running the ball it's it's having that other element i mean even against texas a&m at one point i mean jarquez hunter was averaging eight yards a carry and i don't think the pass pro was that bad so uh if you can kind of spread them out 
you can kind of, you know, delete that pass rush. South Carolina did a really good job in the first half, like I said earlier, supplementing the lack of a run game with those perimeter throws, uh, and it kind of slows down that pass rush. Colorado did the same thing to TCU in the first half. Now, all of a sudden, you got two decisions to make. One, we can rush four, but they're defeated because they're not getting there. The ball's gone in a second or a second and a half. Or do we rush three, which totally negates our advantage of being better than you up front and let the quarterback sit back there and get really comfortable? So there's some things that you can do. I expect Auburn to empty the bag, uh, especially early, to, to try and hang in the game and give that crowd a chance to stay in there and stay loud and maybe rattle Carson Beck in his first road trip a little bit. Yeah, and you mentioned getting in the bag. We know Hugh Freeze can. One question I had asked to me this week is, okay, people talk about Georgia's offense has been kind of vanilla, hadn't shown anything, you know, really in some of these games until kind of the second half of that, maybe the second half of that South Carolina game. But still, I think they were pretty much running their base stuff, you know, run, play action, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that this Georgia defense has not necessarily shown everything they have because they haven't really had to yet? Do you think there's some packages and some some – some pressures and stuff like that that Georgia pulls out for the first time this year against Auburn. You know, I think they're going to play at base early because they think they're just better than Auburn is. I mean, why, why would you get cute right now when you turn on the film and see the way that Auburn struggled at Cal to run their base stuff, to see the way they struggled, obviously, against A&M to run their base stuff? You have it in the bag. You work it. Uh, but but I don't think you have to go to it early. I think they're going to line up and see if they just can't handle what Auburn throws at them, running their normal stuff, so you're not overthinking anything. You're not overrunning anything. Uh, you're not putting yourself in a situation you don't need to put yourself into. Now, if the game dictates it and you know, somehow by the grace of God, Auburn comes out, you know, they, you know, they start cooking, breaking bad style. Uh, th then I think you may see uh, Georgia uh, kind of reach down a little bit deeper in the playbook than what they have. But uh, I don't, I don't see it early. I think they're going to, they're going to make Auburn prove it first and then adjust from there. But it's kind of weird. This Georgia defense has been worse against the run than they have against the pass. You typically don't see that. So if there's any daylight, for Auburn in this game is that maybe they can run it a little bit, slow that Georgia defense down, which helps play action, uh, gives you that extra half second, that ever, uh, uh, extra second to keep your eyes downfield and find the open player. And you mentioned, you talked about the quarterback play being bad and all that kind of stuff. You, you, I know you have a, a million terms that you're able to throw around and use for stuff, but me and my guy Andy Stowe on here, who he joins us sometimes, he's a, he's a super fan of, of our shows, we, we've started using the term hashtag hot dog water because if you've ever seen in that package yeah. there at the you know grill, that's that's nasty stuff, that hot dog water. So feel free to use it. Oh, no, it, without a doubt. I mean, it is. It's it's absolute hot dog water. I mean, it's, it's, make, it's boiling the hot dog, then it's getting a cup with ice and pouring the hot dog water into the ice and having to drink it in front of 90,000 people. That's, that's a great image right there. Then, we, then turning the rest of it into a popsicle. Ooh, hot dog popsicle. That there hot you dog, go. Right hot there. dog water sickle. Oh, oh god, Lord. bad like stuff. Now for dessert in North Korea. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. We'll go rapid fire to end off with these these other games. Oh, well, we didn't get. Does does Auburn cover the fourteen and a half or not? What do you think? You know, it's I. I would lean not. If I was going to bet a side in this game, I would take Georgia minus the thirteen and a half. Actually, I would buy it down. Uh, buy it down to thirteen and a half and take it. But I love the under. I got it when it was at forty-seven. I think it's at forty-five and a half now. Can Georgia score forty-six? At least that's the way it's looking right now for Auburn. I don't think they will. Uh, but uh, no, I like the under in this game. Uh, special teams problems for Georgia freshman kicker too. So if they can hold them to field goals, Auburn uh, yeah, maybe able he to hold lost. it. Lost. I mean, he was like the maze runner. 
Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, Want to go rapid fire on the prediction? Any any key thoughts? And then also the, the betting side of these other SEC games real quick. So we talked about it earlier. Florida, Kentucky, you said you were leaning. This one's down. It started at three and a half in favor of yeah. Kentucky. It's down to one and a half. I don't know if they know something. I don't know injury-wise or something like that. But uh, what's your thoughts on Florida, Kentucky? Man, I like Kentucky winning this. This game smells like overtime. I mean, it just, it's just, I opened my window earlier and just, it just smelled like overtime. Uh, I like looking in a mirror at each other. Oh, dude, I know. It's, um, it's, it's who's going to lose it. That's the way it looks to me. Uh, Devin Leary, just finicky. You know, anytime it doesn't go perfect, even when he was at NC State, he tends to make the big mistake, the catastrophic mistake, and then he'll make a huge play. Then he'll hit like a 70-yard touchdown. It's, it's Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Give me Kentucky in overtime. Uh, they kick a walk-off field goal. There you go, in Lexington. And you got to love Mark Stoops uh, coming out and say that he has full confidence in Kentucky fans to pound some beers before that game. God, uh, I love it. Wor- he's not Put me in, Coach. Put me in, Coach. Hey, you gotta, sometimes you got to wake up in the morning with a shower beer. No doubt, no doubt. And uh, now another noon game. It'll be 11 o'clock in Dallas uh, or Fort Worth there in Jerry's world. Um, you have Arkansas going to Jerry's world to take on Texas A&M. Texas A&M, six-and-a-half-point favorite, even with Max Johnson uh, taking over for Connor Whitman. Not your average backup there, 4,600 yards, 42 touchdowns and seven interceptions in his career. What's your thoughts on this one, Jake? Yeah, I mean, you look, you look at LSU's quarterback room, having Nussmeyer there, obviously Spencer Sanders at Ole Miss, and then having Max Johnson at A&M. This is why in the transfer portal era, uh, it's, it's hard to keep a good backup quarterback but it's unbelievably important. Max came in, was really good against Auburn. I'll tell you what, typically the way this game goes, Arkansas plays good early, and then something crazy happens. Like, you know, K.J. Jefferson tries to reach over the goal line, the ball gets batted, a and picks it up and runs it for 100 yards or something crazy. i tell you what, a lot of people are on A&M this weekend, and I get it. Arkansas's lost the last two. They've been very physical, mentally draining games. But you get Rocket Sanders back. I think Arkansas finds a way in this one. This is one of my upsets this weekend. I'm taking Arkansas to beat Texas A&M. Hashtag find a way. That, is that an official thing? Is Rocket going to play? I, I heard I, I've heard he's going to play. From who I trust, I believe he's going to play. But, I mean, look, Dominion's been good, too. I mean, he's and been toting the mail. It's going to come down to K.J. Jefferson. It always does with Arkansas. You know, defensively up front, can they stop the run and pressure Max Johnson? We all know that's really important. But, man, I like Arkansas in this game. Missouri, they should take care of business against Vandy. They do have some injuries on that on that defense, you know, secondary, second level stuff like that. Are you concerned about those, or do you think this? Uh, do you think this drink team uh, in Missouri is mature enough to just go on the road and just handle business? Yeah, speaking about cooking, I mean, Brady looks great. He's the guy in the offseason we talked about. Even though it was a quarterback battle, he was just a couple better decisions made during the game from being a really good player. He's always had all the tools. Uh, you know, I I know they are beat up. But one team has Luther Burden and the other team's Vanderbilt. I like Missouri to win this game. I'm not betting this game. I'm not touching it, even though Missouri's looked awful. They looked, I mean, Vanderbilt's looked awful. They looked bad against Kentucky last week. AJ Swan's really struggling to get it going, but they don't have a run game either. I mean, for, from the jump, even against Hawaii, they couldn't run the ball. Uh, so I like Missouri to win this game, but I am not touching it with a 10 foot pole from a betting standpoint. Absolutely. And then the last one here uh, Alabama minus 14 and a half at the cowbell arena over there. Get all the cowbells going with uh, Rangelang Jangalang over there at Mississippi State. Jingle jangle. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Nine o'clock Eastern, eight o'clock Central. Yeah. 
Milrose first road start of this season. Uh, we talked about Carson Beck going on the road in a hostile environment. Starkville is a great environment, but Alabama's way more talented than Mississippi State. Yeah, they are. And I know Mississippi State threw for a million yards last weekend. I think that had a lot to do with South Carolina's defense. I'm glad to see Will kind of open it up and throwing the ball, brought back some memories. Uh, but I like Woody Marks, too, at running back. But Mississippi State's just not, not a very talented team. I've really been let down defensively uh, by how they've played. I know they don't have the best personnel, but they've been out of position a lot. They've been a gap short sometimes. They've had miscommunications in the back, and the linebackers are struggling to stay leveraged in the pass game. Uh, they're coming downhill in the run game decently, but in the pass game, they're getting absolutely exploited. Look, you want to hear a crazy stat, Blaine? Mississippi State hasn't thrown a touchdown pass against Alabama since 2014. That since Prescott. 2014. They play every year, man. It's, it's almost a decade. You got one touchdown pass against a team you play every year in the de in a decade? I think Navy doesn't even have that. or some of that. It's just absolutely crazy. I like Alabama to win this game. I don't know how much Mississippi State's going to be able to score against this Alabama defense. Milroe, I think they'll protect him early, similar that Jordan's going to do to, to Carson Beck. But with Jalen Milroe, I think that's going to help him. I think protecting Jalen Milroe and saying, listen, quarterback design runs, we'll keep it short, we'll make it easy. I think that plays right into what he does best. I like Alabama big in this one. I'll lay the 14 and a half on the road. I just don't believe in Mississippi State. Absolutely. Well, Jake, uh, as always, it's been fantastic doing another episode of Jake's Takes on Southeastern 14. Tell everybody, if they don't know, which I don't know, if you do not know, how do you not know about the fun that goes down every morning <laughs> on Crane & Company? But tell everybody where they can find you guys. Yeah, man, it's really easy. Uh, we go live each weekday morning, uh, 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central, 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern. Those are the only two time zones I know. So if you live in a different one than that, just – you. You'll be able to figure it out. out uh, just the easiest way is to go to YouTube. It's Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N-N Company. Stays on YouTube. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify all day. So if you missed a live show, that's fine. We have live call-ins during the show. We have a live chat where we take questions and comments. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Also, our Saturday guest picker uh, for our Saturday specials, Andy Staples from On3. It was David Pollock last week. He went 4-1 in the picks. We'll see if Andy, Andy can top that. If Notre Dame doesn't put 10 guys on the field and screw it up at the end, Pollock would have went 5-0. and oh. Believe me, he was letting me know at the end of that Notre Dame game. He's like, man, I, I'm about to pitch a perfect game. And, of course, right when you say that, something bad happens. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, man, go check us out. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. You can see on the screen, if you're watching on the YouTube version and not on podcast, at Jake Crane underscore up in the top right-hand corner there, and then also at Crane Company. That's how you can follow him on X. And uh, we appreciate all of you guys tuning in for another episode of Jake's Takes. Check out Chomps in the description. Get you 15% off down there with that with that URL. And also, if you want to partner with us, go to email caroline.smith at southeastern14. Be an MVP here with us at southeastern14 for Jake Crane. I am Blaine Gilmer. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you next time on Southeastern 14. <laughs>